What's going on, everybody? 360 Digital Closing Bell. I am your humble, humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, joined live from an undisclosed location here in Denver, Colorado. As always, we're not really live. We're recording this Sunday um, at about 10 o'clock Mountain Time. It's a great day. We have a wild show lined up. As always, I am joined by our humble, the purveyor of the show, our humble producer, Stuart Turley, who's the director and publisher of Oil & Gas 360. Stu, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Michael. It is great to spend time with you. We got a packed show. We have a, a, a wild, wild show, and, and, and before we really get into what, what, what this show is going to be about, this show is brought to you by our fabulous sponsor, Adamantine Energy. We are so excited to have them on board as a sponsor of the show. Adamantine Energy advises energy companies on future-proving against social risk. Their principal, um, Tisha Schuler, is one of the best industry thought leaders when it comes to navigating everything from social risk, but also to board strategy. How do you navigate um, 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 as a board of directors around all of this ESG? She's also an expert at de-escalating conflict. She's very tapped in in terms of, of how to access energy of all different types to help grow your operations and obviously she's big on the technology side of things they are an excellent sponsor we did an interview um, with her two about a week ago that had done I mean, the numbers have been incredible on that they have michael uh yeah. absolutely wonderful we are so thrilled to have them on board so it'll be, it'll be nice. And so please check them out at www.energythinks.com. They're also, she's also launching a podcast called the Energy Thinks Podcast, which will launch sometime in the next two weeks. Full disclosure, I'm putting that together and I haven't really gotten around to doing it. So we, I, I'm, look, I'm waiting on a graphic from her, but it's going to be awesome. I'm so excited um, uh, to get all of this stuff going for it. And it's great to have them on board as a sponsor. Um, we have a great show lined up. We're going to chat and, and really get into the earnings season from an, for an exploration and a service side and talk about what we think this means going forward. About a quarter of companies have come out and, and released earnings. And I think this kind of sheds some light on what is moving forward. We're going to go to the week of oil. Stu's got some great stuff from the international news decks. We're going to dive into a little proration stuff. As always, we'll check the levels, check in with the commitment of traders. And then we will get to our official, non-official fund. Uh, we don't have a name for it yet, so we're still taking suggestions for names. Tomcat's got some great picks. I'm sort of standing still, and Stu's going to add a little bit to his position. Before we dive into that, please, if you are not subscribed to the 360 Digital Closing Bell on iTunes, Spotify, Intercom at YouTube, please pause this show, finish. Well, download the show first. Don't just listen. Download, subscribe to the show. We really, really appreciate it. Whatever makes the algorithms go nuts, that's what helps us get more. We actually had a great first month. The numbers that we saw were far exceeded what I thought we were going to see. So I really appreciate everybody who has listened. You can follow us at Oil and Gas 360 on Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm Those are about to get revamped, people. So uh, hang in there. You're about to go for a wild ride the next in the month. We're going to be doing some revamping. I'm excited for that. You can connect with me and Stuart on LinkedIn, Michael Tanner, Stuart Turley. We dropped some great, inter we have some great interviews dropping on the Energy 360 Network. On Tuesday, we're dropping Premier Oil Field Group and on Wednesday, CAC, which I'm honestly really interested. I haven't cut this video up yet, but I'm interested to do because this is all about DOL, DOO insurance, which is something I was very unfamiliar with. I'm excited to just kind of you know, learn about a new part of the industry. I think that's why the Energy 360 network is excellent. Is there any other things that we're dropping here soon that we need to make people aware of? Uh, yeah, we have a couple, but uh, we also have some great interviews lining up. Fantastic. Oh, we do. We don't know when to announce them yet, but yeah, we've got some really good stuff. We got some really good stuff lining up. Uh, what's the update on our uh, Chinese media appearance? Do we have that? I, I, I downloaded Rosetta Stone over the weekend and uh, I've been speaking. Yeah, I've been starting to speak Mandarin. We're doing, I think by yep. next Friday, we'll be good to do the show in both Mandarin 
and English. So kind of have two different versions. Um, yes, uh, I don't think they like my uh, charge. I was charging an international fee for them. Well, yeah, I mean, they're just gonna, they're just gonna undersell. They're, all they're gonna do is price gouge us anyway. What's uh, yeah, they're just floating the. Michael, they, they got to pay for your talent. Uh, they, they really have to have your uh, insights and it's worth a lot of money to have that. So, you know, they got to pay tariff. No kidding. So, you know, really what I want to do before we kind of dive into the week at oil is, you know, I was looking at, you know, over the past, let's say 15 days is when we've seen about 25% of companies, especially in the EMP publicly traded space, um, not really EMP, excuse me, I should say oil and gas, because we're going to break it down. But they've about 25% of the oil and gas related companies, they dropped earnings. And I know that was kind of a big thing that we were chatting that, that, that has been on my mind. And I think there's just enough data from the companies that have dropped specifically on, 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 on a couple different levels, that I think it's worthwhile to sort of dive into and say, okay, what's happened? And what do we think that means going forward for the companies that will drop? And how I want to really do this is break this down from two high levels. First, I think we all want to look at but the difference between what a service company looks like and an EMP company's earnings look like, because I think they, they tell two different stories. And when you look at the service side, honestly, most of them have already dropped. So the data that we see from these earnings are, you know, it's, it's real, it's, it's up to date. So there's not as much projection as I think when we get into the oil, EMP, the oil and gas side, the EMP side specifically, there's going to be a little more projections, but from a service side, Halliburton, Schlumberger, and Baker Hughes have all reported earnings and they, they were in with days with each other. And if you think it's a coincidence, it's not, that's just how things happen. And, and I think there's some interesting tidbits. First, Halliburton, I thought the big number was quarter one revenue only dropped 12% to 5 billion. That's year to year. So 12% drop year to year, which was really, really good. And that, you know, that's interesting. Schlumberger down 5% year to year to 7.4 billion, which was very interesting. But this is the interesting part. Their US revenue down 17% year to year, while their international revenue up 2%. I found that very, very interesting. And I think there's two stories that get told right there. One, only a 12 and 17% drop for Halliburton and Schlumberger's America wings. I think that's a little light, considering the fact that I mean, if, if you're on Twitter today, you probably saw the photos of the boxes being stacked up in the Halliburton Houston offices. I mean, it's going to get a lot worse for these guys. And, you know, really, what I, I think quarter one isn't factoring in as much of the, the, the layoffs and some of this downturn as much as I think you're going to see in quarter two. I mean, only to see 12% drop in revenue from quarter one of this year to quarter one last year for Halbert, that's, that's, that seems too light for me that, that, that you know, and, and that basically means they're, you know, that, and I just think that means that the red, the, the cuts that are happening are happening in quarter two that are coming from the EMP side. When you talk about capital expenditures that are being taken off the market, I think you're seeing that roll out quarter two, quarter three. So that's what I'm looking for. I think those, I think these numbers are a little better than what people quote unquote expected, but when you actually just look at it, it makes sense. Quarter two and quarter three, are, I think are going to be a little worse. The interesting part is international being up 2%. That is something that we heard on an interview um, with, with, with Miguel Pena and 10X Technologies. Remember this, he mentioned that their international um, sales were actually doing very well, correct? Yes. And so I thought that was very, that was very interesting to see that not only hearing that, you know, a couple of weeks ago, which is, oh, that was interesting. Then to hear it confirmed when Schlumberger comes out and drops the earnings that their international is up 2%. So, I mean, that's to give you kind of the power of how international companies can operate at low oil prices. I mean, Schlumberger's biggest, probably 
you know, it's, you know, most likely it's, you know, Slumbers is doing a lot of work in Saudi Arabia, which is very low oil prices they can break even at. So even at low oil prices, you can see a slight increase in investment just to keep up with the inflation that's going on, which is, which is good to see. You bet. Even South America is, is really a big mm. opportunity for service providers, oil field service. Yeah, you've been big on the South America uh, in, in oil fields. So we're going to have to do a segment on that at some point because you're going to that. So from a service side, I think the worst is yet to come just because I think you're going to see quarter two, quarter three is really when the capital expenditures cuts come in from the exploration side, which always affects um, the, the service companies. I think you're going to fully be seeing the layoffs. It's, it's going to be bad from their side. But, but from a quarter one perspective, it was actually not terrible. Um, but you know, that's really my key takeaway international presence. If you're international, it's going to help you, but quarter two is going to be worse. And, and then there's the EMP side. And this is where we've only seen a couple of companies drop, but I think it tells a, a very interesting story. And this is where we can look into, okay, well, what do we think the, 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 the red, you know, the, the, the next three to four weeks of earnings look like and it's, I, you got to break EMP companies down even to another subcategory. You have to look at primary oil producers and primary gas producers. And, and, and I, I want to start with oil. And specifically, I want to start with Exxon and Chevron because they give a tale for how the majors are playing this. And I'm going to let Stu give an overview. But what these do is I think give a great overview of how the, 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 your mass majors, you know, the, the ones that haven't dropped yet, how they're seeing this. I mean, we're going to be seeing um, some of the majors continue to drop over the next couple of weeks, how they're sort of seeing this outcome. Hey, uh, thanks, Michael. Uh, on Chevron and, and Exxon, I think it's kind of uh, interesting that came out. Um, got a news article on Oil and Gas 360 on this as, with a summary. And um, Chevron had first quarter earnings of 3.6 billion cash flow from operations at 4.7 billion. Uh, I think it's kind of interesting that Chevron is looking to uh, decrease again their mm -hmm. CapEx spending. Okay, so good information and interesting information from Chevron. Exxon uh, delivered the first decrease in a dividend since World War II. We had that story go really um, big difference on Exxon. They're reducing their payout on their dividends, which is a huge investment, Michael. I think you said it's on every retirement uh, fund out there, right? Oh, dividends. Everybody loves them dividends because that's how you get paid quarterly on stocks. I mean, if you want, you know, there's the idea. Investing in equities isn't mailbox money like investing, say, real estate. You don't get a check every month. But if you have a high dividend stock and you can check out using the, they're called yield rates, um, like a high yield um, um, dividend stock. Oh, that pays you quarterly. So no, it's not to, not to dive in, but yes, love me a good long-term dividend stock. If you're that's all. Uh, just real quick, and then I'll, I'll turn it back over to you on this. Oh, uh, cash flow from operating uh, was $6.3 billion Ooh. on Exxon. Their capital exploration expenses was $7.1 billion. Now, why aren't they putting out there instead of reducing uh, uh, CapEx, they're taking a hit on their dividends? Not sure how I like that messaging from the management. So that's all I, my opinion on those two. No, and I think you bring up a good, you know, you bring up a good point with, with the mixed messaging. I mean, they're still investing. And I think what you're seeing is 
companies like Exxon and Chevron, I think they're using this time to shore up their balance sheet because I think they see quarter three, quarter four as a huge M&A time. I think what you're going to be seeing is, well, all right, let's use this period of low oil price to go after the financing that we have access to because we, I mean, Exxon and Chevron are standard oil. When you think about it, I mean, they've been around since 1900. So they have, they have a pretty good credit history. Um, the banks are pretty, even in this time, are very willing to loan Exxon and Chevron money They do because uh, they actually make money. So I think they're using it as a time to resense their balance sheets a little bit and look to the M&A season, which I think is going to be this summer and then moving forward when you see a lot of this stuff. Um, among, I think, you know, and, and so they, they, they shed a light into how the, 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 the large IOCs look and then we'll see some, and we'll see a couple of them drop as we continue. But in terms of hardcore large shell operators, I think the, the, the one that screams warning to me, or I think what, what, what shed some light into what's going to happen is Concho. Concho is a Midland based and Midland headquartered oil and gas operator they produce out of two reasons the midland and the delaware basin and really they have great acreage when you look at their they do have um a large you know a decent majority of their stuff is what we would call tier one acreage and, and, and if you want to know more about what tier one acreage is i encourage you to go back and listen i think it's episode eight nine yeah with nick barry we talked a, 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 at length about you know from a reservoir perspective what is considered tier one acreage versus tier two what's the, what's the actual difference because we hear those terms a lot oh, this is tier one acreage, this is tier two. What does that actually mean? And to someone as, as me, like an analyst, well, what does that mean? I'm looking because I'm, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm interested in investing in companies that are probably tier one acreage. I mean, I mean that doesn't take a genius, you know, I'm not, I'm not some, there's some genius statement there. Uh, but Concho, they have some, they have, they have good acreage, but they write down 10 billion in assets. And that's a lot of because they're using this to redo their balance sheet and a couple things here. One thing I was first, a little tidbit, they only hire Texas Tech engineers. So, I mean, take that for what you want. I, I know that on good authority that they, they, they only go to Texas Tech career fairs. Um, uh, Michael, what's wrong with Texas? I'm a little bit wrong with Texas. I'm just... I just thought it was an interesting fact to put out there that they do only hire, they, they major, they only hire Texas Tech engi uh, Petroleum Engineers. Uh, Colorado School of Mines, one of the best schools in the country. But don't mess with Texas. No, I agree. I, I, I just, just, I thought it was just, just full disclosure. Um, you know, and another thing, and, and, and this is, this is partly what I think, you know, you know, Concho is they're writing down 10 billion in assets while they're delivering maximum production. And I know they said they were going, they've now announced they're going to cut even more. They came out and said they were going to cut 20%. Now they're up to almost 50%. Well, you want to know why they've increased their production cuts? Two reasons. First sentence on their quarter one guidance. I'm not joking with you, Stu. This is, this is, this is, this is, I'm not joking with anybody. This is first statement on their quarter one guidance. You can view this on their website. Quote, delivered oil production volumes of 209 million barrels per day. Hey, exceeding the high end of the company's guidance range. I'm not kidding you. That's the first statement. Great job, guys. Great job. Exactly what needs to be happening right now in quarter one. Are we, are we, are we it's just, so, and, and then the, the, the rest of the statement I'm hearing about non-GAAP free cash flow. And for everybody who's not an accounting person out there, non-GAAP, GAAP stands for generally accepted accounting principles. So when you hear like GAAP accounting, it's just basically the general practice of accounting. So whenever you see non-GAAP accounting, 
You know what that means? Non generally a practice, um, generally a practiced um, accounting practices. So anything that says non gap, I, you just, just don't look at it. There's no need to, because it doesn't really mean anything because it's not the generally accounted practice and it's just a way to make them look good. And so, and the problem is non gap free cash flow has become the greatest term for shale oil companies in the past five years. It's been unbelievable. I mean, it's a great sleight of hand they did. Non generally accounted practice, uh, generally accepted accounting principles, free cash flow. We're going to start turning in non generally accepted podcasts and see what happens. I said, so are we going to, are we going to get, I wonder, we'll see what the boss thinks about that. I don't think that would be very good. No. Hey, so Michael, you talked about non gap a little while ago. You have EBITDA, EBITX, and then EBITDA uh, C, which was uh, earnings before taxes and after Corona. You came up with that one. Right. I, I did not come up with that. I saw that on another, I think that was on a Haynes and Boone weekly track, but I'm talking, we're going to start putting out non generally accepted podcasting principles. And we're going to start saying we're generating, we're doing well, but it's not by anyone's standard. It's just by the own standard we made up. So it's the just Michael Tanner standard. Yeah. And you know, it's the notch. So we'll see how the boss likes that, you know, large oil cuts are, and, and so I, I joke around all it is to say, these the, the these large majors who are primarily shell operators, the the proof is just in the pudding. When they talk about cuts, they talk about we need to pull back, and on their quarter one guidance, they talk about delivering oil production volumes at the high end of the company's guidance range. Now, you know, the 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 other side of the coin is well, they haven't had time to turn that off. This 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 cuts off February. You know, this doesn't take into account the majority form. Well, yeah, I get that, but there was a problem before Corona, and the fact that they couldn't. Nobody saw that even before this coronavirus is, it, 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 and, and so what I think this means going forward is um, that's what you're going to see with a lot of these shale operators. I think you're going to see they were producing high production volumes into late, late quarter one. And they might even say their entire quarter one, they were producing at the highest oil volumes they ever have because it's just, no one was expecting a Corona or B this demand stuff. And, you know, whether or not you think that's, that's real. That's what I think you're going to be expecting. That's why I think you're going to see a lot of these non-gap free cash flows and a lot of these oil companies. I mean, any, I just, it, it makes my head spin sometimes when I read this stuff because I'm having to be like, I don't, this doesn't make sense. It's just a lot of words strung together. And it has a number that's like 800 million. And you're like, well, what's that mean? I don't know what that means. And then you look at their, and then you actually go look at their revenues. And it was like, well, we lost 300 million that quarter. Well, where was that on the first three pages? So, and I'm just using those as examples. I, I, I it's just, it, it, that stuff makes my head spin. And if you follow this stuff, you know, if you've, if, if, if you've been following this stuff for any period, you, you get my pain, but really, you know, after, you know, that's the glass half empty side of the, the, the exploration side. The glass half full side is these natural gas companies that have, that have come out and, and, and specifically one that came out um, on Thursday, excuse me, on Thursday, Friday morning, specifically, um, was Cabot Oil and Gas. And full disclosure, they actually, are, they're a client of Entercoms, um, who's a hardcore sponsor of this show. Uh, and it's, um, so, you know, just so everybody knows, I, 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 I might've picked another one, but they were the great example of what a good, good, good gas company um, is doing right now. And as, as everybody knows, we've, we've heard interviews from both Spruill and Bernadette at, at Inverness. And what do they say, Stu? Natural gas is going to be what? Uh, Big. Four bucks by summer. I mean, something crazy like that. So 
when you, so gas companies, I think people are looking at and, and okay, well, what's going to happen? Are we going to see anything good? And when you look at Cabot, they're one of these natural gas companies that have dropped. They're actually, they, 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 quarter one, they were able to turn free cash flow, virtual free cash flow, gap free cash flow. So we can, we can, that's a good number. We can look at that. Their hedges look good. Their hedging forward curve is very nice curve. It's very nice backwardation. Their minimum oil volumes their, or their minimum pricing is like 225, which is really, really good considering the market. I mean, we're only at a buck 89 right now. We'll get into sort of the numbers. I have a little hedge placed a little below that myself there. But, and so the outlook looks really good. There are very, you know, and, 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 and so, and, and analysts are also very bullish. I know you mentioned you have the numbers on them. It's a buy up until what? Uh, sorry, let me pull it up. Give me a second. No, no worry. But I just remember you mentioned at one point that the, the buy range is much, much higher than all of this stuff. So yeah, gas uh, companies are looking very good. What is it? Uh, Cabot, uh, all the uh, signs are in the buy side, strong buy, buy, uh, using almost all the metrics, everything from uh, relative yeah, strength yeah. down to the exponential moving average, all good. Yeah, so, um, and, and I think you're going to see that on a lot. I think that's what you're going to see a lot of gas companies as they come out and release their earnings. They're going to have the same, the technicals are specifically, they're going to turn the fundamentals, are going to turn hard, because I think you're going to be seeing free cash flow being started to be generated in a lot of these gas companies. And I think Cabot is a good example of that. So all that being said, what's the, what, 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 you know, there's the data. That's what's happened. There are some examples of companies that sort of fit the categories that I think are most affected by coronavirus. And, and what are we seeing? Well, I think you're going to see shale oil companies continue to write down assets and do what they continue to do and they'll be in big trouble um the, you know what you know something you know and then that's partly why they're begging for um uh trump to come out in this administration to give them some lending because they're going to continue to write down billions every quarter they're going to continue to unfortunately have to pump a lot of oil i mean it'll be interesting to see what they actually produce in quarter two versus what everyone claims is going to happen because I'm watching the EIA numbers every week. It's only down a hundred thousand barrels. Someone's not cutting. Someone's lying here and I don't know who it is. Okay. And I'm, I'm about ready to start digging into the numbers here and start scraping oil production. I mean, I have a decent database built up and I need to go update it. So who's cheating? Cause someone's cheating here. Um, because everyone says they're cutting and then week over week, we're only seeing a hundred thousand taken off the market and Concho's coming out and saying we delivered high oil production volumes that were on the high end of our guidance range. Yikes. So, but you know, know uh, we covered that in the uh, interview dropping on Tuesday and that is you can't shut wells off. Oil does not work that way. Coming on and coming off kind of messes with the whole system. So I can understand why people want to keep production on. No, I understand it too, but then just don't then don't come out and say you're going to cut. So that's just what kills me. I'm I'm just looking at that's what I mean. You're seeing that's what you're hearing every single day. New I mean, Parsley's come out and said they want to. They're doing twenty percent across the board. Concha or uh, you know Conoco Phillips come out. They're doing they're doing like like thirty five forty percent production cuts. I don't know the exact numbers on that, but it's something insane out of the Permian. Well, well, where eh, okay, I, that's what they're telling me, and then. But then you hear guy experts like Premier Oilfield saying, well, it's just not that simple. You can't just turn a well off and turn it back on. So I see both sides, but something's got to give here. They both can't, you know, sponsor the show, Tisha Fuel. I mean, she has this really great phrase she always talks about that both things can be true. There's a lot of things in this life that both things can be true. Here, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if both of those things can be true. You're right. So, no. And, and, and so, 
you know, shale, again, write down assets. They're going to do what they do. Gas, I think, as we mentioned with Cabot, it's going to be up. I think you're going to see gas companies, you know, are going to come out earnings that are going to be a lot better. They're going to have free cash flow. Um, and that's what I think the expectation is. There's about 75% of these companies left, and a lot of it's on the EMP side. Um, I think the service companies have already come out and sort of, so we, the, the data on them is sort of set. And my prediction with them is that quarter two, quarter three is going to be a lot rough than quarter one. But I think anything with an international presence is going to do well. Because I think we've seen that both. We, we heard that weeks ago from, from them. It's why you got to be a loyal follower of the Energy 3C network. You just start, you start piecing, you start piecing information together. We get two weeks ago, we get, you know, 10X telling us, well, it's a lot easier to, we're actually seeing it's easier to sell international, specifically South America. Uh, and then we see Slumbershake come out and make 2% year to year um, international. So, I mean, um, very interesting to see um, how this stuff um, all plays out. But I think it's time to dive ahead into the week of oil. And as always, this segment is sponsored by Sandstone Capital Group. These guys do insanely good research. They provide all the levels and all the research via their energy club solution. Um, they're going to be writing a couple articles here for Oil and Gas 360 very soon. The newsletter idea, I, I was told from sources, got axed. Too many good ones out there. But they're going to come and start writing some articles. So it's going to be very fun. You'll be seeing those in Oil and Gas 360 dropping very soon. If you want to get in contact with these guys, um, go ahead and check them out at sandstonecg.com. and will tell you all you need to know. You can give them a call 949-561-1818, extension 2. All right. Reef week ahead in oil. I think the things that I'm looking for is May 5th. So this is going to be Tuesday. Uh, Proation hearing. Um, we know two weeks ago was uh, the April 21st. They were supposed to come out with a, a recommendation on, oh, what do we do? Um, do we cut oil or do we prorate? And they basically pushed. They basically was like a hung jury, basically. Um, Ryan Sitton came out and said, who's one of the commissioners, as we know, Texas Railroad Commission, who governs all oil and gas production. They have three commissioners that sit on the board. They're an independent board and they each vote. Makes sense. Three odd number. One of them, Ryan Sitton, he's actually not running for re-election. So this will be very interesting about, you know, not, not, not saying I'm watching his vote closely, but I don't know, just very interesting. He comes out, very, you know, he, he's close with the Sheffields and, oh, Parsley and uh, Pioneer, he both want to cut production and pro-rate. Interesting. I'm just pointing facts out, people. Um, so he come out and he's against pro-ration, or he's for pro-ration. He thinks it should be a 20% cut. Uh, Commissioner Craddock came out and actually kind of, sort of from the legal side said, we shouldn't do this because of the mounting legal issues that could and the fallout that could happen with we don't know enough information about what's going to happen. And I'm sure if, if we were to tap our, our friends over at Haynes and Boone, they would say the same thing, that they're not even, like, the, the, the legal issues are probably so long. And there's actually, they have a, uh, there's a, there's a, uh, they actually are having a webinar that's coming up and they're going to dive into some of these mineral rights very soon, right? Is that something we can uh, announce? Not yet, but it'll, it'll be there. Cool. It'll be awesome. And so we'll be getting some great information on some, on some of what these mineral rights contracts actually look like. It, it, it'll be very interesting. Um, and, and, commission, and the third one, Commissioner Wayne Christensen, he basically came out and there's a swing vote. And he, he, he was very unsure one way or the other. And, and what happened was last week, the, you know, basically the, the Railroad Commission, they set the agenda for the May 5th meeting. And Appendix A, which starts on page 19, goes to about page 26. I read most of it. But basically what it does is it details how Croatian will work. And it was seen as, oh, they're going to do it. That was sort of the reaction in the marketplace. It wasn't official, but why would they come out with details on how it would work if they're just going to vote it down? Right after that agenda was public, Commissioner Wayne Christensen, as we mentioned, who is the swing boot, wrote an op-ed against Croatian. And 
basically what we expect to happen on Tuesday was the same thing that me and Stu predicted weeks ago, two to one against. The only thing we got wrong was who was going to be the swing vote. We thought it was going to be Commissioner Craddock. Um, instead, it, be, it becomes Wayne Christensen. We expect no Proation. Obviously, things could change. They've laid, If you want to go read it, um, I'll include the link that you can go read the uh, agenda for that May 5th meeting. Again, starts it's appendix A, starts page 19. It's, it's a decent read. And really, the more you read it, the more you realize why they're voting against it, because some of the legal things behind this are just, just unbelievable, considering who they're, who, who can opt out, who actually it comes under. And so that, you know, that really is, is big. Um, when we look forward at um, – well, first, let's go to the international news desk. There's some interesting stuff there we need to come up with. Stu, what do you got for us? Oh, Michael, we got uh, uh, three of them that I'd like to go over. And, uh, you know, when you take a look at Australia, you have hit it dead on on a lot on our storage. We've been uh, – the um, digital closing bell tanker. Uh, I, I love that one still. Uh, we're still working on that, looking for. Yeah, if you have a cool 17 million that you're looking to invest, go ahead and email us, mtanner intercominc.com. Hit us up. Yeah, hit us up for the time. Uh, you and I are going to be uh, like pirates running around. I think we found our first just, customer. You want to know what's funny? I watched Captain Phillips last night. I'm the captain. Oh, yeah. I just. Oh, how fun. Um, Australia uh, actually uh, posted this out on Oil and Gas 360, uh, I think this morning. And it said Australia, uh, nine, uh, 94 million, not big, but they were going to put it in the emergency strategic reserves. But I didn't know that Australia stores in 22 different countries their um, strategic oil reserves. And uh, it, Michael, last time I checked, what happens if it's an emergency? Um, should it be near your refineries or somewhere you can get to it? It doesn't and, seem, I mean, not to jump in, but it doesn't seem swift, but I'm sure they have a decent reason or it's a cost reason. I mean, they could just not have the ability to, well, I don't know, actually, I've, I've never de never dove into it enough. You're the international guy here. Oh, I was going through the storage numbers and I thought it was interesting, but they've got four weeks, three weeks to get stuff from the U.S. What happens, and you and I talked about this, what happens if one of those... Uh, persons goes out of business it can't be strategic if you've got a uh thing on there so anyway that was one of them um, yeah a two week a two week you know just to touch on that a two week gap between when you can actually get your strategic petroleum reserve doesn't seem terribly swift so uh, yeah, that, that's about all i'll say about that you got it absolutely right on and then had another one uh with the oil glut to half in may to shrink by 6 million uh, barrels per day in June. This was from Rystad as well. And uh, despite the improvement, the stocks will build, the uh, storage stocks will uh, still overwhelm remaining global storage, which will fill within weeks. You nailed it a little bit earlier on the show, and that is demand uh, is gonna be coming out but it's not going to be enough to burn what's already coming into storage. So that's a worldwide problem. And then. Uh, yes. Shut-ins have to happen because even if demand comes back and we do a reverse quarantine, we've still built up stocks to an unbelievable level where the, because it's in, at the end of the day, it's simple math inflows minus outflows. Absolutely. And uh, the other one was the Exxon uh, Chevron stuff we've already covered. Yeah. Uh, but what we're seeing worldwide is there's more activity for investors 
as well as work opportunities. Mm -hmm. So there's that combination on that. Uh, anyway, thanks. Back to you. No, I think that's, uh, those are great stuff. And I always love checking with the international news desk. When we look at the trading calendar, um, it's a it's pretty heavy week, actually. API numbers dropped 2.30 Tuesday. Um, actually, in the morning, 8 o'clock, if you're just a day trader, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention ISM non-manufacturing uh, PMI index comes out. Um, it's supposed to be 37 and a half, according, um, you know, is that's a previous, you know, was uh, 52 and a quarter. So I'm going to give you an idea of the drop percentage, a 20% drop right there. Not good to see. Crude oil inventories, 8.30 Wednesday. Um, it'll be interesting. I'm looking for domestic production to finally be below 12 million. It's been about 12.2, 12.1 for the past couple of weeks. We haven't seen um, really those large, large numbers of barrels being taken off the market. At least it's being reported. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see what those numbers come out. I'm expecting, I mean, what I, I my guidance for oil, our domestic oil production was down um, three to 400,000 per week. And I'm going to revise that down to about 250 to 200. I think, I think we'll see a nice 200 this week. Um, but again, I've been, I've been wrong every time. So don't take my word for it. Um, and then really on Friday, unemployment rate's going to come out. It should be about 16%. It's, it's, it's going to be rough. Um, and that's just an overall economy number. And, and just, you know, for everybody, and specifically when we mentioned it, segment one, talking about the service companies, you know, if, you, if you've been laid off, you know, heart goes out to you, man, it's, it's tough. And, uh, you know, if there's anything, you know, you know, you know, please, it just, it just stinks. It's all about, it's about all we can say, Stu. We're, we're praying for him. It is horrible. Yeah. And we will, uh, and we will hopefully provide some entertainment for you. When we look at really the levels that we have going on, you know, first thing I want to say when we look at levels, my levels have been spot on. Um, I, I haven't really said this because I've just been trying to stay humble, but well, non humble brag, my levels have been money for three weeks. And really, if you look at my oil charts, I've been setting those levels. I just, this is a daily routine I've been doing for like years. And this is the best month stretch I've gone through with just setting levels. So I don't know if that's just because the game phase, I've been on the podcast. Now people are list, watching my picks a little bit, but it's been, it's been good. And when we look at the levels, I mean, we look at price action. If you're a Tomcat, you're bullish for oil. And when you look at volume, I'm, you know, pivot points, um, or excuse me, uh, volume points continue to increase, which is always um, great to see, you know, levels. When you look on a bull side, 1793 is a really good level. Um, I think that's really the pivot point. Crude oil, um, the, for the June contract, stop trading at 1978. Why I'm hesitant to go complete bull on oil because June contract 1978. I think negative pricing is going to happen, and that and, and at what point is 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 the curve going to rotate itself back down because of the storage issue? Like right now, I think this is, you know, I, I don't know. This just freaks me out a little bit, and you know, consider what you know price? what I mean. I mean oh, mighty Kreskin. Uh, what price do you think negative will go? Oh, yikes. I mean, the stuff I've been seeing, the the, the scary stuff, they're saying negative 100. But uh, it, I mean, that, that's just more, I mean, it, I don't want to say it's just a number for the sake of numbers. It's just a mechanic, you know, as we chatted about in shout out another previous episode, go back and listen to all of the episodes. It's like episode seven or eight, we talked about negative pricing and actually what that means. It's more of a mechanical issue with the way the markets work than necessarily what operators are actually paying, getting for their oil, but nonetheless, scary as well. So before I go complete bull on this week and say we're going to see 25 bucks, 
Um, it's going to, at some point, we're going to have to rotate here. And especially when the USO does its role, which is coming up this week, which is another thing to worry about, the USO, the United States Oil Fund, um, their, their role is this week. So a lot of volume is going to be switching over from the June to the July contract. So watch that. If you're a bear, we know the levels on the way down, 1703, 15. 1408, or 41. Those have not changed for a while. I love those levels. And it'll be very interesting to be see again when that curve happens or when that when when oil flips from this June to the July contract in terms of rolling over to be very, very interesting. When we look at the commitment of traders, uh, I mean, really the hedge funds, hedge funds don't care. They're long oil. And now they're long options that are far out in the future. So they're, they're taking into account purely trading oil fundamentals. They're not necessarily buying oil contracts in June 2020. Um, so that's what you're seeing when a lot of you talk about hedge funds and managed money getting long. Swaps come back in, um, drop them alongside, which was good to see. And uh, shorts on your producer merchants and um, on, your, on your hedges for producers, which is up. So they're taking out a lot more insurance um, they're not, you know, it was really actually a normal commitment to traders report. You can go check that out at cotreport.com. Anything else that happened last week, Stu, that we need to bring up and we need to chat on? I think I've hit everything on my list. Did we miss anything? I know you've got how much research you've got down there. You've got like 60 pages. I'm sure we missed something. Oh my, yeah, that's a lot. What'd we miss? There's got to be something we missed. I, I, I'm afraid this is this week's. So I'm sure we missed something. And if there's anything that you guys continue wanted to hear, please, again, reach out to us, mtanner at intercominc.com. Link with us on LinkedIn. But I think we should go ahead and move into our picks for the week. And obviously, um, our lawyers make us say this so we don't get sued. This segment is for entertainment purposes only. Everyone on the show, i.e. me, Michael Tanner, and Stu Stewart-Turley. We invest our own money for our own account, and we do not manage any outside money. We do not give investment advice. We do not offer securities or have any involvement in the regulative side of the industry. Remember, risk investing is risky, and you can and will lose your entire principal at some point. That being said, our 360 non-official official fund um, picks are going very well. Stu, I want you to give an overview both of how your portfolio is doing and then Tomcat, he's back into it. And then I'll jump in and talk about how, how my side of the portfolio is going. Well, I did some uh, uh, moving around on mine. I got LNG still and Enphase I'm still hanging on to. But I added, when you take a look at uh, Noble, uh, the charts are really looking up on Noble right now. The um, stats are looking really good for a buy. And uh, the exponential moving averages uh, really kind of uh, jumped right on in on that one. So I'm, I got Noble. And then I've got Pioneer. Uh, Pioneer also hit that mark for me. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Fang and Rattler. Fang is... Uh, Diamondback. We've, we've overviewed their hedge position. And they are looking pretty good for me right now. Now, okay. Uh, Diamondback is also uh, got Rattler, uh, which is uh, Rattler Midstream. And I see what you're. I see what you're doing there. I see what you're doing there. Go ahead. I mean, well, you're just tagging up their upstream and a midstream as a little uh, in portfolio hedge. I love it. And they've got another company that I'm still researching on that uh, Fang and Rat, uh, Fang just came out with. So I'll come up with that one here in a little bit. But I'm doing some more homework on uh, Fang and Rattler. I love it. what Tom what, what Tomcat do. He had a, he, he's back in because if, if I remember on Friday he was sitting out. 
Tomcat when we chatted with him. Yes, Tomcat got out, but he gave me his news list this week. So uh, he got his money out of Apache, but he's looking at the jump back in. Um, on Cross America Partners, ta- will oh by the way, Michael, uh, your picks, my picks, and Tomcats will be in widgets on your landing page for your show. Yes, so, I am excited about that. So we I will, will, I will I, make sure whenever that's live, we will make sure just to direct people. You can see all of our picks in real time, the percentages. We're not trying to hide anything here. Oh no, and and so I have that up uh, on your site Wait. tonight. Okay. Oh. Even better. So, so you, when you watch this Monday morning, you're going to be yep. listening to this Monday morning. This is dropped before the market opens. Um, you can see my picks, www.oilandgas360.com. Um, just go to my landing page for the 360 digital closing bell. You'll be able to see all of the picks. I am excited about that. You bet. Um, it keeps me honest. And I think your predictions are going so much better than you have in the past because of accountability. Oh, okay. Moving right along. Got to go. Uh, Cabot. Uh, he is uh, rolling in on that one. Oh, he's in Cabot. Uh, oh, so yeah, he's, so, so, he, so good. We're seeing the same thing because, as we know, in segment one, that was our uh, ideal. Now, Cabot's buy-in is at 21, so we'll watch that one. Uh, BNO, um, which is the United States Brent Oil Fund, the buy-in on BNO is 715. Uh, right now, it's at seven dollars. He's getting in on the Brent USO. Yeah. Oh, so, I don't know if I, that might be the first thing he's done that I disagree with. Well, Interesting. we're taking note. Okay. Michael's got a no on this one. Okay. I just, I've just, he must not be on Twitter because if you're on Twitter, you, you're never allowed to do you, the, you can't trade the USO. It's a no, it's a no, no. But that's interesting. He's a smart cat. You can make money. You can make money trading any asset if you don't, you know, so if anyone I trust, it's Tomcat. I'm not sure if I, that's a little above my risk tolerance. Trading um, is just managing risk. So uh, anyway, range popped up on his radar and well, they're a gas uh, company. I love it. So the technicals are turning, I assume. Uh, absolutely. And, mm. and so when you take a look at range, range has been a long-term uh, full disclosure uh, intercom. Uh, you and I have always had the same theory and that is good management, good numbers. And I really, uh, uh, like the management over at range, uh, good people and, cool. uh, their technicals are really looking good. So range by, um, he's going to buy in at, uh, 650, uh, currently it's at 606. So range ones to watch. I Great love it. I love Tom it. Cat. Good feedback. Good feed. And we'll be, we'll be watching this USO Brent. I'm going to be watching that closely because maybe he's seen something I'm not. I'm always open to being wrong. I enjoy being wrong because it usually means I learn something. If I'm right, I don't learn anything. I just confirm, you know what I mean? I like being wrong because it means I get to learn something. Well, I I, I got nothing. So, sounds And so, all right, my picks. And this is where I'm going to be lame and say I'm not doing anything. Um, I'm in a Bonanza Creek at 14.89. Currently stocks trading at 16.89. I'm just going to stick with it. I think, you know, even though it was down, you know, 50 cents in that less, I'm going to stay in and I'm already up huge as our uh, um, uh, famous president would like to say. Natty Gas, again, I'm in long term. I'm holding that at $1.82.6. I'm going to have that till the summer. I just think that's, uh, uh, you know, and, and really what I, what I kind of want to just bring up to you is, is, is what I'm doing with this is built, you know, we're building, I'm building a portfolio here. And, and part of what I hope you take notice is how we go about doing this. And a portfolio needs to have every type of asset 
to every type and be exposed to every type of market that you think is going to do well. Like you need to have long-term stocks. You need to have long-term holds. Excuse me. You need to have short-term holds. You need to understand that there are multiple ways you can build a portfolio and everything. You should have a pure hedge in there. Right now, I don't. I'm just bullish on natural gas. I bought it. I bought a futures contract and we're holding it. So right now, we're, you know, even both of our and I would say Stuart's portfolio is a little more hedged than mine because he's in a little different asset classes. I'm not. I'm in hardcore shale and natural gas, which is basically the same thing. Um, so I'm right now I'm on the lookout for a long-term hold and a hedge position. I don't know what quite that is yet. And I'm looking at a couple different things. Um, you know, I think the easy answer for a hedge is just to start shorting some of these shale oil companies. And I might do that. I might take out some put options, a lot of put options on some of these. Like I, Denberry looks very, very spicy to just buy a bunch of three-week put options and just hope it, or not three-week, three-month put options and just hope it bankrupts by then. Because that could, so I mean, that's where my mind's at for my hedge position. In terms of a long-term hold that really I want to keep in specifically with Bonanza Creek, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm still scanning. I, I think everybody knows what I look for. Um, free cash flow that's gap approved as we call it we're gonna start doing that on our podcast can we do generally accounted podcast principles gap approved <laughs> just rock on man <laughs> i like that one yeah i have a gold stamp of approval then it'll be fine so that's how i'm looking at my portfolio right now i'm hanging tough but look for me to add a, a hedge position probably on the short shale side when we look at some options plays and then um i will look to picking something up to continue to hold that along but I think we have a surprise call-in guest right now. Nick Barry's on the line. We're going to go ahead and jump over to him. But we've got some. We can hold him for a little bit. But we're not going to do that. We're just going to go ahead and dive into it. And we have on the line Nick Barry, who is our financial expert. He covers everything oil and gas finance from an upstream and midstream sides. And we really appreciate his expertise here on the show. And Nick, really before we get into really what I want to talk about is some shut-in stuff. But 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 I really just want to ask you, you know, regarding to the stuff that we talk, I talked about on Friday on my show, give me your idea on what you think this government intervention stuff means for the oil and gas field. And what's your take on it? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's very interesting. You have to look back pre, pre-coronavirus and you have to look at these shale ENPs and, um, a lot of them were in very poor positions to begin with, not generating a free cash flow, had a lot of debt. And this is something that has been taken, that has been a trend, um, not just recently, but you, you know, go back multiple yeah. years ago. And so it's crazy. I can see a lot of pushback when you start to think of, okay, now we're going to bail out companies that were really struggling before the virus hit. Um, that they've done to themselves. They've put themselves in a position with a lot of debt and not a, free, a lot of free cash flow. Um, so I can see a lot of pushback from a lot of parties um, regarding to that. Yeah, I think you you know you hit up a a good point. You have to look at what's going on pre pre coronavirus, and I think everybody knows my thoughts. Um, the fact that I think these people are going to spend this bailout money wisely is 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 beyond me. So, um, yeah. you know, how can, you know, it's, 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 you know, I, I think that's the def, you know, that's the definition of a word we don't necessarily need to say, but, uh, uh I think everybody <laughs> sort of gets what's going on. And so, you know, that, and that's sort of, you know, so I sort of agree with you, you know, if, if, if you're going to give these sort of direct loans to, 
to companies, it may or may not work out terribly well. And, and I think there's two things that look at moving forward. One, I don't even think this impacts service companies. Whereas, you know, when you look at this layoff, um, the layoffs are all coming from the service side. And two, um, we'll really just attack that question first. You know, you know, I don't really think this isn't really attacking the services industry, correct? Yeah, I think the service industry is is such at hands of the the the, the health of the the ENP companies, and but not really their activity level, and and they're the guys that you've tend to seen the most layoffs coming from, just because you know the the projecting the projected activity drilling forecast moving forward is is obviously very low, and you've got yeah. a lot of these service companies that are just cutting people left and right and and they're sitting back at the mercy of at the EMP's activity um and and I don't even think the bailout is 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 um tailored to to protect someone like that no I mean you look at you know Weatherford 6,000 people Halberton 3,500 people Chevron you know 3,000 people obviously not an operator but then you've got Slumbers Bay 1,500 people hydraulic fracturing facility in Midland 300 people Halberton San Antonio 348 you know I mean the the, the top you know in Odessa Halberton's dropping 230 people so I mean in, in Midland it's just unbelievable the amount um, so I, I think that's, you know, when we talk about that, anything that in terms of direct lending, I think we have to focus on the service industries. You know, there's a whole nother argument, you know, to be made is about, well, why don't oil and gas companies use the PPP e-money? Well, the problem is most of these companies, it's not that they can't pay their bills, it's that they can't pay their debt obligations as well. So this mm-hmm. coronavirus emergency bridge loans that are being offered via the main lending program, they can't answer. So that's partly why we're even at this point is because of what you brought up in the first place, which is this loads of debt. But I think, you know, moving forward, you know, I think the biggest question on people's mind is how does this recovery start to look? Because Texas obviously opened up last week. Denver, I know, extended their stay-at-home order to May 8th, but, 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 but things are beginning mm-hmm. to open back up here very soon. And, you know, I'm of the belief, and I was actually on a webinar. You know, I mentioned this on my Friday show, but I was on a webinar with Bryce Dad Energy. It wasn't great. It was really a waste of – not a waste of time. I think it was, it was decent information, but it was just – there was no energy to it, man. I fell asleep halfway through and about the only thing I was able to gain from it was the fact that they're naturally bullish on that. Um, they think it, they think recovery is going to happen quick. They saw only about a 5 million barrel barrels, million barrels being taken off the market per day at the end of 2020. And they see at about 28 million barrels, which is right now is what they think. So they're mm. bullish on recovery. And I tend to think so. I mean, you know, really there's two schools of thought, whether the reverse quarantine is going to happen. I fall into that camp or you think it's going to be slower. Which camp do you fall into and why? Yeah, it's going to be, and, and, you know, everyone has their own opinion and I think it's a coin flip and, you know, and, and, and it, we have no, we'll really don't know how this people will respond to the virus and how the, Cases will change as we begin to open back up. Um, my take on this re-emergence is that, you know, people are creatures of habits. And, you know, it was very tough for people whenever stay-at-home orders were issued and you're forced yeah. to work from home and not leave your house. And you've got to figure out a way to, you know, do all that. And, and so I think people have adjusted to the new normal 
And I think when things start opening back up, you're going to see um, demand really across most consumer industries um, a lot lower. You know, people have made do without going to get their $5 lattes at Starbucks every day. They've made do with without driving to work, working remotely, um, yeah. I think is going to be, a, you know, a huge trend. I mean, I think just across the board, people are going to put less money into the economy. They're going to be, you know, traveling less. Um, I think the demand is, is, a, is a lot, I have it as a lot slower uh, recovery in my viewpoint, at least. Yeah, I know. And that's interesting. And there's definitely a case to, to be made for that, that people are definitely getting used to this stuff. I just know, you know, from a personal standpoint, I'm ready to get about it here. But I think when you look, when you, when you look at how this is going to affect the oil and gas field, I mean, I think what people are talking about, there's two schools of thought. It's the V recovery or a gradual recovery. And I don't actually think the economy is going to come back in a V standpoint, but I do think demand is going to come back and it'll be interesting to watch, you know, and, and, and it'll be very interesting yeah. Um, to see to see who who comes out and 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 sort of what happens moving forward. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think the biggest unknown is 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 how is how the virus will or how the number of cases will change as we reopen. And obviously, if we see some huge spike in new cases, people will freak out, and you know we could go back go back to a, a quarantine situation. Um, which would obviously have a negative impact in demand. And I think if if you reopen and you start to see really no infect, uh, effect of the, the cases, yeah, I think you could see a demand that could people start to gain yeah. a lot of confidence very quickly. And they're, they're ready to get after it as, as, uh, as you are, Mike. I feel you. So, so I guess, so one, I got a, another question I want to, I want to run by you and is, so let's, you know, let's, let's say for the sake of argument, we'll, we'll, we'll do both scenarios and let's focus on the, the pot, the, the bullish side where let's say it is more of a quick pullback of demand. People really get after it. Um, maybe it, it, it falls a little along what I'm thinking and that demand really does come back. How early, if you're, if you're, you know, you're a C-suite, you know, I'm putting you in charge of, uh, of, of your average oil and gas company. How, how long does it take you before you start turning back on, whether it's your wells that you've shut in or it's, and then you start maybe firing up drilling rigs. Do you have a number and oil price you're looking for, or is there sort of indicators that you would look for before you really want to start turning all of this back on? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I, we kind of got into this a little bit on last week, but It'll be very interesting to see as as we're expected to see kind of a of a, a flood of shut-ins here that are, that are happening, and, and we'll get a lot of production offline. And if you start to see prices respond, like it does not take a long time to go open back up an oil and gas well and get that production starting to flow. And so, and the economics of that on a project basis, you're looking at like really any you know a very low w a very low oil price that's going to make it economic to turn on a well that's already in the ground and shut in and so i think it's gonna it's gonna that will take a, a while to shift out because you're gonna have right once prices kind of spike most companies will probably start opening up back wells and then increasing supply and you know driving demand down and then yeah. I, I think that's going to happen, but, and then as far as adding rigs, I think you got, I mean, that, 
that is, I think there's, that's still a long time in, in the time horizon, unless something crazy happens. In my opinion, I just think that's, that's a big, that's a huge capital commitment yeah. that, you know, you want to make sure that you've got some kind of um, strong demand forecast that's going to allow you to start putting new wells in the ground. Yeah, and maybe not adding rigs is 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 probably the that's a terrible idea. So I take back saying that. But maybe it's going in. I mean, how many ducks hey. are sitting out there? I think it might be interesting to see how many of those ducks get fired up, especially if you can see price rebound yeah. towards quarter three, quarter four. Um, because I'm sure the economics on a duck is slightly better than a new well. Maybe not that much, but they might gotta be a little better. No, absolutely. Point forward economics. I mean, you're half the cost that you've already, the well's already in the ground. You already have the drilling costs. So um, economics look very favorable on that. And I mean, yeah, it sounds like a crazy idea to add rigs now, but we'll have to see. I mean, there's a scenario you, you see demand and, and prices spike. Um, I wouldn't say that's out of the question for some, I don't know if it, definitely maybe not the, the best idea, but I wouldn't not. I would not say out of the question. You never you're know. You're too kind. Sale, you should not be game. adding. You're yeah. too kind. I don't think we should be adding rigs right now. I'll go on record to say. No. I, I, don't, I don't think adding rigs necessarily right now. But hey, more power to you. I saw. Um, you know, before I let you go, well, I you know I, I I love checking in with with ETF Twitter or EFT Twitter. Um, I saw a rumor going around only 12 frat crews in in, in the Permian, down from like 50 month over month dude an unbelievable just slashing yeah it's uh it's it's definitely crazy to think about but um definitely i think the the appropriate actions to take well, so yeah. it's just it's just crazy to see how quickly these things can get turned off oh, gosh. and how slowly it you know i mean i think i think i'm a little bullish on recovery but even so it things always take longer to turn on than they do off. So it's just been incredible. And um, we appreciate your time before we let you get out of here. Is there anything we, you know, I, I like to kind of, you know, send off the show with, is there anything you're thinking about that you think people should be worrying about? I like to finish off with that. And there's anything more we need to know before we let you get out of here. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it, you know, as, as it will be interesting to see, I think the big topic we discussed is how demand kind of recovers as stay-at-home orders are lifted what that looks like obviously everyone's going to be looking at that um texas railroad commission proration hearing is is this next week so that'll be interesting to see if um uh, some sort of forced production cut is rediscussed um i just think you know i think it's obviously what are your Each thoughts on that? That's a, that, that? That's a good thing to bring up. Do you, you, I, I you know, we checked in because this is now they pushed off the date. We know it's one V one. It's sort of hanging on Wayne Christensen's plate. What do you think they do? You think they, they, they enact proration here? What's your thoughts on that? Oh, man. I, I think, no, I don't think any, I, I don't think a agreement will be made. Maybe, maybe I'll be wrong. I think, you know, we discussed that, my view on it is, has always been that I think you should naturally let this thing play out. I think it's really hard to put some sort of, there's way too many questions to put some sort of regulation in place. In my opinion, um, it's kind of like a survival of the fittest scenario and, and, and the, and the market you let kind of correct itself. Um, 
we'll have to see what you know what happens i mean it's been it's been a while since it's been re-explored and if things start to open back up and people are already shutting in wells so people are already taking off production now so it seems to me like it's too late in the game but i don't know if we'll have to he'll have to see these you know there's always a lot of surprises that come up in Portland gas as of recently you know and the best way to keep up with all of that is stay in contact with the 360 digital closing belt just another shameless plug and no oh, it'll be very interesting to see absolutely. what what texas does moving forward because i think they could be a trendsetter in I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to let the free markets. You know, I, I, I was I was on three to 400,000 barrels being taken off the market uh, three weeks ago, and I've been over three. So, you know, moving forward, I think that's what, you know, hopefully we can start seeing that coming off the market. But if not, you know, they may have to institute something. But I don't think they're going to do it. I think Texas is going to stay. In, and and, and you know, ConocoPhillips yeah. has already announced they're shutting in even more wells now. Um, and mm-hmm. all of those oil mm-hmm. cuts would come from the top three big boys who are already cutting anyway. So. It's a whole convoluted mess, but that's a great thing to bring up, and we will definitely be watching that. Nick, as always, we appreciate you yep. joining us, and we will uh, check in with you next week, man. Have a good week. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. As always, high-level stuff there from Nick Barry, but I'm really looking at the time here. We've already gone on over an hour, so I'm going to go ahead and let you guys get back to work. Thank you for checking out the 360 Digital Closing Bell here on Monday, May 4th, 2020. We'll see you guys this afternoon for the Digital Ticker.